You have anybody on your heart this morning to pray for? I was looking over our prayer list from Wednesday night and uh, wanted to remind you to pray for Diana Long, to pray for uh, Linda Hogan, to pray for uh, Danny Hudler, of course, so glad that he's here, for Susan Hall. I want to remind you to pray for Melissa Boyd. She tested positive for COVID. That's why they're not here. And to pray for Brother Bob Hooker. You start your treatments at the end of the month. Okay, we'll pray for you. And uh, to uh, pray for Shannon Krim's mom. And then uh, also pray for Brother Chad and Michelle Trench and uh, as they care for his dad. And there are probably countless others impossible to name everybody. Bill Lackey had a serious shoulder surgery. We need to pray for him. And um, probably you need prayer too. Anybody in here in the need of prayer? The uh, old spiritual said, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And you know what? I've got some good news for you. If you were in Sunday school, you realize this. You've already been prayed for. Because the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, loves you, and knows you better than anyone else knows what your upcoming sin is going to be because he's an all-knowing God. He knows where you're going to stumble. He knows where you have stumbled. He knows your past, your present, and your future. And he is building you up and getting you ready for a victory that, uh, like you've never experienced before. And you may have never had it in the past, but he's leading you on from victory unto victory. And he's praying for you. But we would like to be able to pray for you too. And I would like for you, if you just need someone to pray for you, just don't be embarrassed. Just slip your hand up in the air and just say, I've got, you don't have to say anything to anybody about it. Just slip your hand up in prayer. And I'd like church for you to look for people who have their hand up as well as people that I've named that are here. Gather around them, okay? And uh, let's pray for them and let's pray for one another. And we'll kind of have more of an old-fashioned prayer time here today. So I need prayer. Need prayer for my family. Need prayer for a need in my life. Somebody just stick your hand up. Church family, let's gather around people and let's pray for them. And you can go to somebody and ask them if, I could, if you could pray for them as well. Let's, let, let's go ahead and go, okay? Put your hands up. 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 Or don't gripe. Gather around people, pray for one another, invest in other people for the glory of God. Invest in other people for the glory of God, okay? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Okay, I'll give you time to pray, and then I'll lead us in just a moment.
Our Father, we pray to you because you commanded us to pray. We pray because it's just the right thing to do. It's an honorable thing to do. And we pray because as we invest in other people, we're reminded that when our time comes, we want people praying for us. So we dare not withhold that from somebody else when we would require it of ourselves, maybe at another time. You said your house is to be a house of prayer for the nations. Well, we're part of the nations, and we pray. And we pray for one another, and we pray for strength and healing, for you to guard and to protect, for you to provide. We pray for you to save. We pray for you to heal. We pray for you to glorify Jesus Christ in each and every life. And we're asking, Lord, that as you do these things, that you would stir up within us the understanding that we're not just living unto ourselves. We're here for a purpose. We're created for a purpose. We were saved for a purpose. We've been given spiritual gifts for a purpose. We're living in the times and the places and in the situations we are. We're going through the storms we're going through for a purpose. And Father, I pray that we would take that purpose and hold it high. The glory and magnificence of our great God. And we pray that we would testify of you. And we pray that other people would hear us. And we pray that their eyes and their hearts would be turned by the Holy Spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ who deserves all glory, honor, and praise. And it's our intention today through our singing, through our praying, through our giving, through our interaction with one another, through the preaching of your word, and through our response to that word, that every part of our life, from our inner attitudes and thoughts, all the way to our actions and interactions, would bring glory to you. Don't let us hide behind, I'm just a product of my raising. You've changed us. Don't let us hide behind. I'm just doing what my daddy always did or my mama always did. We're different and we have a new father right now. And I pray we wouldn't hide behind while everybody's doing it because we have been called out and we are called to stand out and to be different and to be separate from the world. And so, Father, we're asking you as we yield ourselves to you, would you work in us and do what we can't do for ourselves and change us in ways that we don't even know we need to be changed and do it all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, first in our hearts and then worldwide. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. And this week you can turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 30, I want to uh, remind you of the thing we're doing uh, during this month, and we'll probably continue it on, but where we're going to do some plowing and taking each letter of the word plow and applying it to a Sunday night each week of the month, and this is P because it's the first Mon uh, Sunday night of the month, and so tonight we're going to have uh, fellowship, the people of God in prayer and fellowship. And we're going to gather here in the auditorium first because we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And then we're going to go back to Fellowship Hall. And then we're going to eat together and uh, have, have some prayer time together while we're back there. And it'll be a great time where we'll bond together in fellowship. And I want to encourage you, uh, 
Sammy and I were talking. Whenever we have men's meetings or women's meeting and all that, we can almost tell you where people are going to sit and who they're going to be sitting with, okay? Would you uh, do something tonight for yourself and for somebody else? Sit somewhere different. Sit with some different people and talk to them and get to know them a little bit. You'd be surprised when you are eating how much you will learn about another person so you can love them better and uh, pray for them more and maybe you might even find that you've uh, made a new friend and an ally in the fight so uh, please do that especially uh, look for people that you don't know people that you haven't bonded with yet and uh, try to try to use this as a time to build unity in the church so come tonight and uh, there'll be more instructions about this. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit different than we normally do because we're still, uh, we still got some of the COVID stuff going around. So we're going to try to make sure that we're as safe as we possibly can on all of this. But our custom is, for those of you who are new, come a little bit early tonight, sit together with family groups. And uh, if you see someone who doesn't have family here with them, adopt them and bring them into yours. And read through the story of the crucifixion of Christ to get your mind and more importantly your heart ready to receive the uh, elements in the Lord's Supper. And we'll have a great time of fellowship. And this is, uh, we're doing this because this is a little bit more in line with the way the early church did it. The early church did not have buildings like this and they didn't have gold plates or prefabricated bread or anything like that. Uh, they did it more as a natural time of their fellowship. And they would share meals together. And sometimes as the church would come together, the starving poor people, the slaves, would come together with the rich people, bringing whatever they could, kind of a potluck, I guess you would say. And they would share it together. And there, at that times like that, those who were better off got to feed people who were less off. And those who were doing poorly got a good meal for a change and some nourishment and strength for the rest of the week. And it was a beautiful picture. And while they were doing that, they would observe the Lord's Supper. And uh, that is part of, we know that because of the abuses of the Corinthian church and how they would do it. And we certainly don't want to be like that. But we do want to take what is good and right in there. And we just feel like having fellowship is a good priority of the church. Okay, so come back tonight. And uh, this would be a great time to fellowship together. And we'll look forward to seeing you. Okay, we're going to talk today in Exodus 30. We're going to build another piece of furniture. So all of you who are uh, craftsmen, get out your hammers and saws spiritually. And get everything out. And let's think about this as we get the instruction from Moses about putting this together. And we'll talk a little bit later about what this represents and why we need it and how it uh, certainly applies to our life. This altar of incense. Okay, let's begin reading. We'll read 10 verses here. In verse 1, You shall make an altar to burn incense on, and you shall make it out of acacia wood, just like the other pieces. Verse 2, a cubit, that's about 18 inches. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its width. So it's perfectly square. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Now its horns shall be of one piece with it. With it. It's not attached, but a part of it. And you shall overlay its top, its sides, all around, and its horns with pure gold. 
man, this is getting expensive. I wonder if it's in the budget to do all of this. And you know, as the people of God, we're always kind of guilty of this, and churches are guilty of this. We have something, boy, it would be nice to do this. Is it in the budget? Hey, you know what? You don't have to worry about that. The only thing you have to worry about is, is it God's will? If it's God's will, he'll provide whatever it needs, right? And in this situation, he's asking slaves in the middle of the desert to build pieces of furniture like this. You know why he did it? Because he provided it, right? And so this is overlaid like the others with pure gold. Must have been beautiful. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. And two gold rings you shall make for it. Under the molding on both its sides, you shall place them on its two sides, and they will be holders for the poles with which to bear it. Kind of like the Ark of the Covenant was. They've got to transport it. They're, they've got to be mobile at this time. Okay? Verse 5. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it before the veil, that is, before the Ark of of the testimony, the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Before the mercy seat that was on top of the Ark, that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on it, we're back to the table now, sweet incense every morning. This is a daily sacrifice of incense, right? And when he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lights, we talked about those big uh, candlesticks and all of that that were in there. When he lights them at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, unauthorized incense, in other words, or a burnt offering, that's not what this is for, or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. And he would take that over at the bronze altar that's outside of the tent, remember that? Take that blood and bring it in here and anoint this table and sanctify it for the burning of the incense. And he does once a year, he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is, look at this, most holy to the Lord. Now what in the world would the Lord find most holy about a table with incense burning on it? Why would he designate it that way? Well, that's what we want to find out because it is important and applicable to our lives. Now, this is not going to be something where I'm going to say you need to go home and go to the store and go buy some incense and have all of that burning or something like that. That's not what this is about for us. In fact, it wasn't even that way for the children of Israel. This was the table that was in the place where only the priests could go and uh, it wasn't where the common people or anything like that could go. However, however, not so fast. Remember, we are priests unto God in the New Testament system because of what Christ has done for us. Now someone said the bronze altar shows how God approaches man. He comes to us on the basis of the sacrifice, just like he did with the Lord Jesus. He did this with the burnt offerings and the bronze altar outside of the tent. But this shows how man approaches God. What is our response to salvation? What is our response to atonement? What is our response to the ultimate sacrifice 
that has been paid for our sins. Well, this is what this is all about. We come to the Lord, and uh, the altar of incense represents that. Now, when you think about the materials of which this was made, of course, we've seen before that it seems like everything, especially the holy things, were made of two materials the acacia wood that came from the desert and from earth, and then also overlaid with gold, which would be brilliant and pure and beautiful, and that denotes the two natures of Christ, his humanity and his deity, and shows his royalty as the king of kings and lord of lords. But it also had a practical aspect, too. The uh, bronze altar, where they would offer the sin offerings at the entrance uh, to the courtyard of the tabernacle had to be made out of something other than gold because if you lit a fire that was hot enough to burn the animal that would be offered the victim in your place then it would melt the gold but the bronze could stand up to it but this is not supposed to be an altar of atonement this is the altar that comes after the atonement after the sins have been paid for after all of that is taken place so it's overlaid with gold because you're just going to burn incense on it it can stand up to all of that now when you think about this uh, perfectly square table and you think about the overlay of gold and you think about how beautiful it is and you think about all of these rituals that they were to go through you have to remember that all of them have a purpose and all of them give us a picture and you remember that Jesus said to the Pharisees you search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life but the scriptures testify of me and remember they didn't have the New Testament when Jesus said that it was the law and the prophets and in the law that was written by Moses and so Jesus is telling us when we look in the Old Testament look for Jesus look for Jesus there are all kinds of principles and all kinds of pictures or types that give us insight into Christ and it shows us this is very important that the Christian religion is not just something that a bunch of renegade Jews thought up and made up and now are telling everybody else to obey it that what we find in Christianity in our theology in our um, salvation and atonement and the Messiah Jesus Christ and what he did it's all through the Old Testament woven through the Old Testament these people were looking ahead to the great and glorious gift of God's Son in their place and so it points us to the Lord Jesus Christ let me uh, outline this in this way first of all I want you to see the purpose of the table and the Lord doesn't leave us guessing he says it right off you shall make an altar to burn incense on okay we got it and uh, sometimes we wonder about what these things are for and he tells us later right here that's the topic sentence of this paragraph build a table and I want you to burn incense on it it couldn't be any more clear now this incense table that the priest would burn the incense on like we just read uh, this is mentioned other places in the Bible it's mentioned in the book of Hebrews in a spiritual sense in the book of Revelation we'll look at some of those later but interestingly enough do you remember a guy named John the Baptist and when uh, Zachariah his father who was a priest when he first found out from the angel that he was going to have a son in his old age that would be the forerunner to the Messiah what was he doing it was his turn as a priest to light the incense and the candles. 
And so this is what is happening in Luke chapter 1 to Zechariah. He's doing exactly what Moses has uh, written down for us by the command of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the priests were supposed to do. So that's the, that's the, um, uh, the, the function of the altar, the purpose of it, I guess going to do some incense on that and they the Jews have done that for years and years and years all the way into New Testament times now secondly I want you to notice the position when you read down in verse 2 you get the the dimensions of it <clears throat> and then you get the uh, materials about it all of that type of thing but then it tells us where it is supposed to go it's not out in the foyer it's not out on the property line. It's not out anywhere else. It's right there, and it is positioned right there by the Ark of the Covenant, right there by the mercy seat with the two angels on it where the priest, high priest would go in once a year and sprinkle the blood for the nation's atonement. Right there, right there. And then this incense is going up. Incense is going up. I... Uh, wonder what that could possibly tell us. You know, I may be talking to you, and as I do this, I say this with love. I say this with compassion. And I say this with identity. Because I was a church-attending lost person for many, many years of my life. Over two decades. You know what that means? The position of these altars tell us that as you think about, there's a fence around the courtyard of the tabernacle, and then as soon as you come in through the one gate, there's an altar there, and you offer a sacrifice, a burnt sacrifice for your sin. And the priest had to do that for himself, remember? Priests had to offer a, a burnt sacrifices for their own sins. And only then could they go into the tabernacle and into the place where they could offer the incense? What does, that, what does that say to people like you and to people like me and to people like uh, the person I once was? It's fruitless to try to worship until you have had your sins paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I attended worship services. I sang the songs. I even led some of them. I did all of that kind of stuff, and yet during all of that time until I was 22 years old, I never worshipped. Why? Because I had never had my sins paid for. I'd never been to the bronze altar, or for us we would say, I'd never been to Calvary, I'd never been to the cross. I had never trusted Christ as a full payment for my sins, and so my worship was in vain. Now when you think about incense, you think about something that smells good, just... Ah, it smells good. I said in Proverbs 3.33, it says that the house of the wicked is under the curse of God, right? But his blessing is on the dwelling of the righteous. Well, as I think about that, I wonder as God looks down upon earth, and here's a family, 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 here's a family all over. And as he passes over them, we'll use some human imagery, and he goes, what does he smell? Over some houses, 
It's death and a curse, rottenness and sin. Over other houses where righteousness dwells, incense. He smells the fruit of his work in their life by grace as the fruit of the Spirit and the incense comes up and it's pleasing to him. By the same token, I wonder as he passes over churches, what does it smell like? And there's some churches today that go through some grand and glorious rituals and people that participate in all of that and yet they're lost, rebellious, dead in trespasses and sins. And the smell that comes off of, off of that is horrific and ugly and awful and disgusting. But where true people of God gather through their praise, through their prayer, through their worship, through the proclamation and application of God's word, through their fellowship, all of those things, the Lord says, the incense is pleasing. Because you cannot worship God. Please listen to me. You cannot, it's not just that you will not, you cannot worship God until your sins have been paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're a lost church member today, my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sins and draw you to see that your only hope is Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. That He rose from the dead and that He has ascended to the right hand of God the Father and that He is Lord of all. And the Bible says that if you will call upon Him, and by that it means call upon Him to forgive you of your sins, trusting in Him as the only and as the final and full payment for your sins, and you'll surrender to Him as Lord of your life, He gives you a promise you will be saved. Even, even a Baptist can get saved, right? And uh, someone asked me one time about somebody, do you think Catholics can go to heaven? And I said, well, if Baptists can, anybody can, right? But there's only one way. And it's not through holy water or rituals or a priest. And it's not through tithing. And it's not through singing hymns or whatever it is we might do. Or going to a potluck with a casserole dish. None of those things are sufficient to save. You have to have the atonement that comes from the sacrifice God requires. Then and only then can you worship. So my question is, are you a worshiper of God? Not a church attender, a worshiper that's what I'm asking about. And does that worship, does that incense burn everywhere you go? Your home life ought not to be different than your church life. Your vocabulary at work and at home ought not be different than at church. Your emotions ought not be different everywhere else than at church. It's amazing how people cannot control themselves in their anger and actions and all of that at home and yet when they come to church they seem perfectly fine that's called hypocrisy folks and when we think about all of that we realize that's not the incense that the Lord is looking for he's looking for the incense of worship that is consistently coming out of our lives and our homes and our parenting and our marriages and our workplaces and our schools all of that that's what's got to happen and here's the bad news I can't make that happen. I can't do that. I can't carry that out, and neither can you. And that's why God has given us His Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one who can do that. So don't lose hope. 
you can't, but he certainly can. And so that's the position that we find everything in. Now, to give you an illustration, in Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee of Pharisees, gets saved, right? And he is blind, and he's led to a place in Damascus. And then God comes to a disciple named Ananias. And he says, Ananias, I want you to go, and I want you to lay hands on Saul of Tarsus. And then he says something very interesting. For behold, he is praying. Oh, wait a minute. He's a Pharisee. What's the big deal? Don't they pray all the time? They recite prayers. But for the first time, for the first time, Saul of Tarsus has his sins forgiven by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells him. And that old Pharisee is able to speak words that God actually hears this time. What is the mark of a believer? He prays. He prays. You ever find a person who claims to be a Christian that is not interested in prayer? You better pray for their salvation. Something is deadly, deadly, deadly wrong. Now, I'm not saying they pray enough. I'm not saying that they pray as they should pray. We're all learning and growing, and we're all under that grace. But the fruit of prayer, the incense of prayer, should be coming out of their lives. Is it coming out of yours? I didn't ask you if you were afraid to pray publicly. I know people who are just terrified by that. That wasn't what I asked you. I asked you, are you praying? Do you commune with God? Do you fellowship with God? And so this is extremely important to understand that worship only comes after your sin has been paid for. John 4, 23, Jesus said, But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers, see, he had to make that, that, that qualified, not just people who go to a temple, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people. To worship him. Hey, if it's on God's heart, it ought to be on ours. And if we think, oh, worship is boring. Worship is just something we attend. Worship is something we go to the early service to get it out of the way so we can have the rest of the day to be on our own. You'd be surprised how many people do that. And you know what happens with that? They attended a service, but they didn't truly worship. We need to be true worshipers in spirit and in truth because that's what the Father is seeking and this is what this altar is all about uh, number three let's talk about the picture this gives us a real picture here what is this altar well it's Christ it's Christ Christ is the altar and in all of these things we find it interesting that Christ is the altar and Christ is the sacrifice and Christ is the fruit of the sacrifice and in this case the table Acacia wood overlaid with gold, Christ, deity and humanity, there he is. And what is coming up off of that table? The incense, the incense of Christ. Let's think of it like this. Christ is the one who produces all of that. We don't work it up. It's not human. It's not done by anything that we could do. But Christ himself is the offering to God. Christ himself is the in incense that is being burned on the altar there. And he is the one that, well, if we think about worship as being prayer and praise, did you know that the Bible says in Psalm 22, that prophetic psalm about the death of Christ on the cross, it's written there that Psalm 22, 22, Messiah says, 
I will tell of your name to my brothers, and in the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Have you ever thought about Jesus not only receiving praise, but giving praise? That's what the Bible says. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it quotes that verse that we just read and uh, talks about it like this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. It's amazing that God did that for us to his own son. For he who sanctifies or makes holy and those who are sanctified or being made holy all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying... I will tell of your name to my brothers, and in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Who is that obviously talking about? That's Jesus. Jesus sings to the Father. Jesus prays to the Father. Jesus gives praise to the Father. And it was Jesus who testified of the Father to us in his generation and continually. Why? Because if we've seen him, we have seen the Father. He said, for I and the Father are one. Now think about that. So when we talk about worship and we talk about praying and we talk about praising, we're not talking about you having an ecstatic experience. We're not talking about somebody kind of ramping you up so that you just are beside yourself. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we raise our hands when we sing. I hope that's not the raising of hands like at a rock concert. They do it out of exuberance or whatever. But when we do it, we're lifting up our heart. We are lifting up our hands like the priest would lift up the sacrifice and wave it before the Lord. We're presenting ourselves to the Lord and acknowledging that. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? When we pray, it's not just that we get out a book and we start reading different prayers. Nothing wrong with reading other people's prayers. Nothing wrong with learning from them. That's fine. The prayers of the Bible or a prayer book or something like that, as long as it's biblical and not mystical and weird. But what are we really doing when we pray? Well, I got to get the feeling and I got to get it all stirred up and then, and then I can pray. I've got to use the right vocabulary. I had a Sunday school teacher when I was in fifth grade that he prayed King James prayers and none of us knew what that meant. And we said, when you pray, do you have to use those? And he was a, a very godly man. But a little misguided on this, he goes, oh, when you love the Lord like I do, you want to use holy words. Well, those aren't holy words. They were just English. It's the way everybody spoke back then, right? It was a vernacular. When you speak to God, you want it to be an act of worship. And who enables us to worship? Here we go, back again. The sacrifice of Christ and his atonement and his spirit give us the ability to then enter in as priests and to light the incense and bring that unto the Lord. That's what Christ did. And those verses talk to us about him testifying publicly and him also giving praise unto the Father. Okay? So this is the Lord that we serve. And so we draw near to the Father through him. Let's skip on down to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's the goal. But if anyone does sin, or because we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What is he doing? Praying for us. 
interceding for us, standing up for us. If there's anybody that has your back today, it is and always will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Going down to Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Now, are we saved by the life or the death of Christ? I'm confused. Well, his death would have had no meaning if his life had not been perfect. So we're saved by both. But let's also remember, he rose from the dead. He's still alive. And the book of Hebrews says he ever lives to make intercession for us. You're saved by his present life as well as his past life. He is still living and still working in you. Okay, Jesus offered the incense. Jesus is the incense. Jesus is the altar. He's everything in all of this. And anything good that comes out of your life is Jesus. And anything that you've just worked up stinks to high heaven. Anything that your flesh does stinks to high heaven. It has the smell of death and rottenness and corruption. Any cover-up you try to do is no good. Have you ever been around somebody that they've just been out back and they were smoking away? You ever heard anybody say smoking won't send you to hell? It just makes you smell like you've been there. And they come back in and they sprayed cologne and put a piece of gum in their mouth. Oh, that fixes it, doesn't it? Uh, ah. Sometimes it's almost worse. Have you ever had that guy, that athlete in your high school, that to work out, he ran five miles to school and didn't shower when he came to class? But he sprayed on a couple of puffs of right guard? Old people remember that. And he came into class and went, what is that sickeningly sweet, smell of death that's the way your hypocrisy smells to god only christ can make it pure so let's uh, go to this let's go to the practical <clears throat> christ enables us to pray in psalm 141 verses 1 and 2 oh lord i call upon you hasten to me give ear to my voice when i call to you oh here it is let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands the evening sacrifice isn't that beautiful i want my prayer not to be a bunch of jumbled up words not to be a pile of flesh not to be stinky i want my prayers to be like incense only god can do that christ makes it to where that can be that way revelation chapter 5 verse 8 and when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Now listen, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. There it is. Which are the prayers of the saints. Did you know that? Did you know that? You're praying. Oh, you may stumble. You may fumble. You may stammer. You may have to search for words. You may not be a prayer expert if there is such a thing. But to the Lord, it's like incense. Bowls of incense that are there in heaven. May heaven smell sweeter today because God's people, us, are praying people and worshiping people. This is the prayer and the praise of the people. And so Christ is the one that makes your praise acceptable. Without him, it would just be words, just be empty. 
He's the one that makes your prayers to be heard. That's why we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. It's not just a formula, it's a reality. We pray and he takes our prayer before the Father. And your prayers are like incense to God. You're never the only one praying. Don't ever feel like that. The Holy Spirit intercedes. The Lord Jesus intercedes. We're just joining Him, actually, is what happens. Jesus prays for you and is with you. So I want to ask you a question today. Several questions. Are you discouraged? Are your kids rebellious? Are you or someone you know addicted to alcohol, drugs, porn? What's the hope that we have? Are you critical, negative, a gossip or a slanderer and you can't seem to overcome it? What hope is there? Are you sick? Are you lonely? Have you been betrayed? Are you fearful? Have you lost a spouse? Are you trapped in a bad marriage almost wishing something would happen to your spouse? Are you worried about the economy? Are you frustrated by the present government and the administration? Are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid of dying? Do you have unmet needs? Is your life spiritually unfruitful? Are you a burdened person for lost souls? Do you love your church? And we could go on and on. Say, preacher, what are you getting at? What's the answer? You ready? Are you ready? Say amen if you are. Say, I'm ready for you to be done. Yeah. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the climax. Here is the conclusion. Here's everything that I'm trying to say. If that describes you or anything like that, I'm not asking you to do more. I'm not asking you to give more. I'm not asking you for anything that you can do except this one thing. This one thing, discouraged, unfruitful, trapped, betrayed, lonely, all of those things that we talked about. What do, what do I do? Light the incense. Quit trying to handle it on your own. Light the incense. What do I mean by that? Pray and give God praise. Quit complaining about everything that's going on in your life or not going on in your life. Quit making your prayer session a whine session and quit whining to everyone else. Go to God, the one who knows you, the one who loves you and the only one that can give you any hope. He can make you fruitful. He can make you filled with hope. He's the one that can make your life joyful in the midst of terrible situations, but you got to come to the atonement and your sins be forgiven and then you come and you've got to be a worshiper of him no matter how you feel or what you are going through give him praise and pour your heart out to God and let that be a sweet incense of worship to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ let's pray Father if anything could happen here today that would be a significance it would be number one if a lost person gets saved and I pray for that and number two, if it would be that saved people become actual worshipers and our lives become incense, our homes are like incense, our ministry and service is like incense, our witnessing is like incense, everything we do is incense to you. And it's not emotional, it's not based on feelings, 
It's based on our obedience to you, what you demand and what you have provided in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.